Greetings and welcome to the latest edition of the AMSSM Sports Medcast, produced in the collaboration with the BJSN. I'm your host, Dr. Devin McFadden, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Nicole Keith, professor from the Department of Kinesiology at the IUPUI School of Health and Human Sciences and president of the American College of Sports Medicine, as well as a featured speaker at the 2021 AMSSM annual meeting. Today, we're going to be discussing the topic of consequences associated with low physical activity access. So Dr. Keith, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. First, as a member of both the ACSM and AMSSM, I want to thank you for leading us through such a trying and unprecedented year uh, and the vision and grace you've, you've shown while guiding us through these challenges. Well, it hasn't been simple or predictable, um, but that's part of leadership is that you adjust. All right. So let's dive into the, the topic. Uh, so again, we're going to be discussing the consequences of low physical activity access. I was hoping you could kind of define low physical activity access and discuss the populations at greatest risk for low access. Sure. So um Within our society, within the American society, we frequently hear about food deserts and low access to healthy foods. And so as a physical activity researcher, one of my concerns is that there are not only food deserts in the United States, but there are also physical activity deserts in the United States, and we don't hear about them, and they look very different. So. With a food desert, it's really obvious. Um, there's low access to produce. There's low access to fresh foods, fresh vegetables, healthy foods, healthy fruit. Um, but physical activity, it's not so obvious. And so when I think about a physical activity desert, I'm thinking about two things. I'm first thinking about um, low access to the built environment that um, allows people to participate in um, physical activity freely. And so when I think about the built environment, I'm thinking about like what is available in terms of green space. Um, are there parks or play playgrounds that are easily acceptable, accessible and safe for people to participate in physical activity? And I'm also thinking about the built environment. So are, is there sidewalk connectivity? Um, is there destination walking? Can you walk to work? Can you walk to school? Can you walk to the grocery store or whatever you need? And also, are there safe places um, for you to actively um, transport? So can, are there bike lanes? Um, is there, are, are there traffic calming measures? Can you cross the street safely? Um, whether you're um, like you and me, an able-bodied adult, whether you're a little kid or an older adult, do you have to like cross four lanes of traffic in order for you to get to the next destination? And so when I think about physical ac activity access, that's what I'm thinking about. There's another category that I'm a little bit less concerned about, and that is if there are exercise professionals within the community, but not everybody can pay for that or wants to even pay for that. So that's like a secondary issue for me. For me, I think that it is our responsibility in terms of um, policy and in terms of access to make sure that anybody who wants to be physically active within their daily lives can be. 
Wow, that's that's a lot to think about in terms of uh, all the different factors that play into physical activity access, because you think of some areas that are definitely going to have sidewalks and uh, the ability to walk around, but they, they are probably more likely going to be the ones that are four lanes where you're more likely to get hit by a car and more dangerous. So uh, do we see any patterns throughout the nation uh, in terms of access? Are cities generally better or worse than kind of our rural areas? There are patterns, unfortunately. And so for people who um, live in low income communities and for underrepresented minorities, um, the likelihood that you're gonna get hit by a car is higher and, and that's unfortunate. A higher socioeconomic neighborhoods are gonna do better than rural communities. So if you live in a low income community, if you live in a rural community, um, the likelihood that you're going to, and it seems like kind of weird because you think, oh, rural communities are farming communities, right? Um, but the likelihood that you're going to be at risk of getting hit by a vehicle in a rural community and a low-income community is higher than in a high SES urban community. Wow. And why is this topic something that we need to focus on? Yeah, so I think that it's a social justice issue. And this is why it makes me feel so passionate is that um, like the big deal in America right now is COVID-19 and probably worldwide, COVID-19 is the big deal. And so we all have this social responsibility to protect one another, right? And as a physician, you, you know, you, you became a physician to help people live longer and healthier and safer. And this is just one of those things that it's our social responsibility. It's, our, it's a social justice issue. People should be able to move about the world in their lives and live longer through physical activity. It's like the least expensive thing you can do to live a safe, healthy life. And I feel a personal responsibility to identify ways to help people do that safely and equitably. Thank you so much. I'm glad there are people like you out there advocating for, for such things. What are the benefits if we can get there and give people greater access to physical activity that they can expect? So it, it's funny because um, I had this whole presentation ready for AMSSM and then Sherry Blowett said, no, 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 physicians know that stuff. <laughs> so let's talk about stuff that physicians might not realize. So I had started out talking about all of the multiple comor comorbidities that could be addressed by increased physical activity participation. And if you think of any chronic condition from heart disease to diabetes, to hypertension, to even obesity or weight stability, physical activity helps with all of these issues. But Sherry like really encouraged me to talk about things that are issues that potentially a physician might not think about. And so um, my presentation is really focused on what physical activity does for brain health, for kids and for adults. And so, you know, let's start with kids. And so with children, who are physically active, they're more likely to have better attendance 
in school, fewer disciplinary problems. Um, they're better able to um, pay attention in school, better, better able to learn. And I've got this great slide that I love where they, there's this composite of um, the brains of 10 kids who have been sedentary and who have been active and they're taking the same test. And the brain of the sedentary kids is not active, like it's completely blue, where the brain of the kids who had been active for 20 minutes while they're taking this test um, is all orange and red and yellow and lit up because um, physical activity stimulates the brain and it helps people think better, it improves executive function and that's for everybody. Um, but as we age, um, I like to tell people that the impact of physical activity or physical fitness on the brain is the same as a heart. So there's been tons of research and pretty much everybody um, who is familiar with the benefits of physical activity understands what physical activity can do for the heart. Well, the vasculature, vasculature of the heart and the vasculature of the brain is really similar and you know that, but people don't seem to think about it. And so in terms of cognitive impairment or cognitive function in the brain and physical activity, of course, if you have increased blood flow in your brain, you're gonna do better with your cognitive abilities, just like you're gonna do better with your cardiovascular abilities. So in terms of cognitive function, there's a, a really strong association between cognitive function and um, the reduced risk of cognitive impairment um, dementia and Alzheimer's when it comes to physical activity participation and, and brain health. It also, um, physical activity improves depressive symptoms. It improves um, anxiety and it, it improves sleep, which helps with all of those things. And so in terms of physical activity and sleep, people who are physically active wake up less during the night, they fall asleep faster. Um, they sleep longer, they sleep more peacefully. So physical activity is also improving brain health by improving sleep. That's fantastic. And thank you for, for pointing that out. It, it does seem like common sense when you describe it that way uh, with the vasculature, but, but it isn't necessarily something you always think about. So I think that's a great point. So what can we do to, for those of us who aren't currently involved and would like to to be more involved, how do we advocate for those who don't have access to physical activity for those people in the physical activity deserts? So it's really important to, and, and it's, it's probably a little bit out of most people in our fields because we're not necessarily politically involved, but that's who's making these decisions. And so when I talk about getting involved in these multi-sector coalitions, it, it's really important because while I'm not necessarily comfortable um, going to the um, political affiliates within my community, I'm a member of coalitions where there are people who are very comfortable going to people who are running for office or who are in office and want to keep their jobs to talk about, we've got to really improve sidewalk connectivity or I, this bike path to my community is really important to me and it's really important to the voters and it's really important to parents who have kids who are commuting to school and they want their kids to be able to um, safely walk or bike to school. 
And I don't really want these, you know, giant school buses breaking up my roads. Um, I really would really prefer that we can get our kids to schools uh, independently and safely in other ways. And so the answer to your question is we've got to talk about these things to people who are making decisions because they might not be thinking that that's important to us. They might think, oh, what's really important to my constituents is cigarette smoking, which is important. I'm not saying it's not, or something else that doesn't have anything to do with physical activity. But I will say um, that, you know, you've experienced it probably, and people listening are probably have experienced that people come to their doors campaigning and they ask, what's important to you? Answer the door and tell them, this is what's important to me. And I will tell you right now, there's a bike path going through my community because over and over again, I've said, and I've talked to my neighbors and they've said, we want this bike path. We want it to be safe and we want it to be accessible. And we're seeing it's, it's going in. And I have to believe that they weren't gonna spend money on that thing, who cares? But we care. And there's, we don't have sidewalks. We have them like within our subdivisions, but once you go out of the subdivision, th these are high traffic areas. And we want to be able to recreate and actively commute from our community and other communities in our city have it, we want it too. And so we're getting it. So it's really just telling the policymakers and not just your individual voice, but your the voice of your neighbors and join coalitions who have some political power that can help make these decisions happen. That's fantastic. So all of us getting involved, I think, at grassroots at the local level is the, the starting point. What do we need to do on a more national level to make systemic changes to get activity uh, available to everyone in our nation? That's, that's a great question. And so there is a, a very new, um, I think maybe a year, maybe two years, old coalition called the Physical Activity Alliance. And they're on Capitol Hill. And there are many organizations that are members of the Physical Activity Alliance who are involved in national policymaking and talking with national policymakers about this very thing and not just what's happening at the local community, but what's happening nationally in terms of funding, in terms of research, in terms of building the evidence and making policies, not only in communities, but also um, in healthcare about what should happen in terms of health promotion and disease prevention. Um, so getting involved with the Physical Activity Alliance, I think is really important for anyone who's a leader in a professional organization. Fantastic, and I will definitely be reaching out to, uh, to join, and I hope more of our listeners will as well to put our collective resources and an emphasis into a very, very important topic. Dr. Heath, any additional take-home points you'd like to leave the listeners with today? Yeah, so I think that um, people need to think about the, so the social determinants of physical activity and to really think about who has access and who doesn't have access. But we talk a lot about the social determinants of health um, at the individual level, at the environmental level, at uh, the community 
level, at, at the national level, and really thinking about the social determinants of health and the social determinants of physical activity are linked. And so um, whatever permits or prevents somebody from being healthy, those are the same barriers or obstacles or facilitators that permit people to be physically active or healthy. And so I just really encourage people to think about it like on a more global scale of it's not um, just health, that physical activity leads to health and the social determinants of health and the social determinants of physical activity are highly correlated. Absolutely, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And uh, I appreciate you bringing this to our attention and, and shining a spotlight on a very, very important topic. So with that being said, if, if you guys would like to hear more from Dr. Keith and enjoy her, her lectures, the AMSSM annual meeting is coming up from April 13th to 18th, 2021. The theme this year is going to be Come Together, Sports Medicine for Everybody. Uh, and there will also be a regenerative medicine symposium on the 13th as an additional pre-conference. The ACSM annual meeting will also be occurring June 1st to 5th, 2021. And that is also the Basic Science World Congress and Exercises Medicine World Congress. And one of the few benefits of, of this world we're living in right now is you don't have to travel and book a hotel. Uh, and frankly, if you're located anywhere in the world, you can just as easily attend as if you were located in the city that's quote unquote hosting the meeting. So both of these events will be virtual and can be attended from anywhere. So thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Keith. Thank you for taking time out of your extraordinarily busy schedule to, to share your wisdom with our listeners. I'd like to thank you, the listener as well, for taking time out of your schedule. I hope you found the time valuable and that you'll join us again next time for the next episode of the AMSSM Sports Medcast. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the AMSSM, ACSM, IUPUI, Army, Department of Defense, or the U.S. government.